have the Bible and and then to have um, the privilege to jump into studies of God's Word and I just I just trust that you will um, come to love the book of Ephesians more than you ever have before and not just love the book of Ephesians but to love the God of the book of Ephesians. And our study of Romans was a great blessing and um, made me appreciate um, the book of Romans and God's design for it more than ever. And I'm certain that will be true in the book of Ephesians. And we really encourage you to um, get the study books, although we're out of them right now. And... um, They'll be in tomorrow, all right? A day late and a dollar short, right? But um, I failed to, to take into account um, how many books we need and how we as people are prone to procrastinate until the last minute. I forgot to get it. I forgot. I'm the same way, okay? Uh, but we have some more coming, and I'm already thinking how many we have coming is not enough. So um, I may order more today, all right? Um, but the book of Ephesians, what a, what a great letter that Paul wrote. This is a prison letter, meaning he wrote it from prison. And the, the city of Ephesus, this was a letter that that wasn't necessarily specifically like written to Timothy, but it was written to the believers really in Asia Minor and intended to go to Ephesus and, and, and to be spread and shared. And Ephesus was a great city. It had an artificial harbor that was accessible by the largest ships. And it was the, the commerce of the highways and shippings of Asia Minor. Its, its location, because of that, made it a, a central figure politically, religiously, commercially, and as a result, It was a very, very advantageous place to do missions work because people would come to Ephesus, hear the gospel, and then be able to take it out to where they lived and and further. Ephesus was known for its temple of Artemis or Diana. It was a structure that at that time was one of the the seven wonders of the world. Um, They would have many feasts there in honor of their gods and Diana. And you remember, if you read the book of Acts, Acts 16 will tell you a lot about the church at Ephesus. Acts 19, excuse me. Acts 19 will tell you a lot about the church at Ephesus. And because the gospel took root in Ephesus and many people came to know Christ as Savior, when they did that, they turned from their occult ways, from their idol worship, and, um, and they quit um, 
buying their silver idols, and the silversmiths were up in air, up in, in disgust about it because it affected them financially. I mean, that tells you that the gospel really made an inroad. Not only that, the new believers took all their occult books and idol-worshiping things, and Luke reports that they took them all and burned them, and that all of that was equal to the value of 50,000 pieces of silver. And they tell us that one piece of silver was a day's wages. So what they burned were 50,000 days of wages. But they said, we don't want to have anything to do with this. We, we are now followers of the true God. And, and they burned that. So this, there was an amazing work going on there. Um, the church that began there, that developed into seeing this huge book burning, was, was begun by Priscilla and Aquila. And later really established by Paul on his third missionary journey. And uncharacteristic of Paul, he was there nearly three years. Um, For three months, he taught in the synagogue, and they were got upset about that, and opposition caused him to change his meeting place to the school of Tyrrhenius where he reasoned daily for two years. Paul didn't do that often. Paul would come in, preach, stay there a few months, see believers come to Christ, train them, and he'd go on. But he stayed there um, nearly three years, and, and God blessed the work there in an amazing way. Um, when Paul left, he left Timothy to pastor the congregation. And so you can read in Acts 19 about the beginning of the church, some of that. You can read in Acts 19 and 20, Paul's farewell. Paul loved the church at Ephesus. I mean, not that he didn't love the others, but he really bonded to them. We, we looked at Rome he didn't he knew people at Rome but he'd never been to Rome to the to the church there here he invested nearly 3 years of his life he he bonded with them you can read that in acts 20 his farewell and his exhortation and and in his letter to Timothy you get another insight into the book at Ephesus and and Paul told him you you need to deal with the false teachers that have risen up Alexander and Hymenius, who have um, have led people astray, and the battle always goes on. But this was probably one of the high water marks, if you please. This is probably one of the the fond memories that Paul had as he looked back over his life. And you think of it to have the Apostle Paul daily teaching. For two years, these people were not um, immature believers. They they had been exposed to to some of the best best instruction 
and they responded to it. And so when we come to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians is not a problem-solving book. Corinthians, 1st and 2nd Corinthians are problem-solving books. He's writing to address problems in the church. This, this is not a problem-solving book. Nor is it primarily a teaching book. Um, there is a lot that we'll learn here, but it is, it is not primarily a, a teaching book. Ephesians is a book of praise to God for who He is and what He has done primarily through the person and work of Jesus Christ. So you notice verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed, and see, this is filled with praise. He, he greets them, and, and he then just overflowing with praise. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. And he goes on and he talks about the redemption All of this is praise to God. And he's overflowing with praise to God. He's he's drawing our attention to the glory of God. So as you study the book of Ephesians, you'll get into some of the, the, the details of the book. But don't lose sight of the fact that this detail, Paul is giving us this detail to the praise of God. This is God's work. It's to show the greatness of God, in particular, how the greatness of God was manifested in Jesus Christ. And and he said, Blessed be the God and Father, verse 3, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. God blesses us with gifts and the gift of His Son. We bless Him by our words and our praise. There's nothing we can give to God that blesses Him because He has need of nothing. But our praise to Him, our thanksgiving to Him, For the gift of Jesus Christ is what blesses him. And and Paul is writing to these mature believers and he's reminding them again of the fact that our, our aim should be to have hearts that 
that flow with praise to God. The reason God blesses us is to to produce in our hearts a love that praises Him. We receive first from God, we're moved by His mercies, and then the response of a godly person is a response of praise to God. So, as you study the book of Ephesians, keep this first and foremost in mind. This is to show me how great God is. And in particular, how great God is in manifesting Himself through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Secondly, Ephesians is changing our perspective from that of a citizen of this world to that of a citizen of heaven. Now, is there ever a time we need that perspective? We need to be reminded that our citizenship is in heaven. We need to be reminded of that in the times that we live in. And as you read through and study the book of Ephesians, and and honestly, let me urge you to saturate in the book of Ephesians. For sure, whatever passage we're going over that week, at least read that every day. But you could read the book of Ephesians every day. And, and if we saturate in the book, when we come on our Sunday night gatherings, it ought to just be flowing from us. The point is not just to take the study book, look up the verse, and write an answer. We're missing the whole purpose. That's just a, a little help. We need to personally delve into it. And as we do say, God's trying to show me the glory of God. And he's trying to help me see that my citizenship is in heaven and not here. What a difference that would make in our lives. And, and thirdly, changing our orientation from a man-centered one to a God-centered one. That's something we continually need in our lives. It's so easy. We are prone to be man-centered. If not self-centered, we are prone to be man-centered. We look to man for help. We look to man to be the deliverer. We look to men, men and women, mankind. We look to them for admiration and motivation and heroes. And God's going to use the book of Ephesians to help us turn from being man-centered to God-centered. And it all comes down to the person and work of Jesus Christ. And, and you will note how he, he keeps bringing us back to that. That in Him and, and in these first 14 verses, it mentions that we have all spiritual blessings in Him. I'm not, I'm not going to go through those spiritual blessings so that your, your Bible study groups this evening can, can look at those in more detail. But all these blessings, verse 3, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing 
in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You know, I fear many times that we turn our attention to the blessings and we fail to realize that's a byproduct of Christ Jesus. It's easy for us, as we've studied the book of Romans, justification, that I have justification. But that's to show us the greatness of Christ and the glory of God. We don't worship justification. We worship Jesus Christ. And, and in, in understanding, it is continually brought back to this, that it is in Him. And Paul brings that out over and over again in his writings. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he writes to the church of Corinth and he says to them, God sent His Son made in the likeness of man to be sin for us who knew no sins that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him, Jesus Christ. God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him, Jesus Christ. Acts 17 and verse 28, Paul's preaching and he says, In Him we live and move and have our being. Everything about me is Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 2, he says, I am determined not to know anything else among you except Jesus Christ. His focus was singularly and, and fervently focused on Jesus Christ because he knew Without Him, I can do nothing. And it is Christ alone. And, and I fear that, that we take the, the Christ alone and limit it to salvation. And indeed it is Christ alone for salvation. But it is Christ alone, period, for anything and everything. It is Christ alone who is eternal. I mean, I'm going to list very quickly here ten things, and we could list more, that are Christ alone. And anything you think of that we can follow after, you compare it to this. There's nothing else that is eternal. No man, no religion, no doctrine, anything that is eternal. As in Christ alone. Christ alone is born of a virgin. This is what separates Christ. Christ alone is all-knowing. He knows every detail. Christ alone is perfect. No one else has ever even come close to perfection. Christ alone is perfect. Christ alone is victorious over death. He rose triumphantly. I mean, that alone separates him from everything and everyone else. 
Christ alone forgives sins. Christ alone gives eternal life. I mean, He could forgive sins, but not give us eternal life as well. I mean, He could do whatever He wants. But He is the one that gives us life, physical life and eternal life. Christ alone is the author and defines and embodies love. We would not know love were it not for Christ. There is no love. God manifested His love to the world when He sent His Son. Christ alone gives peace. Christ alone conquers all. I mean, these are Christ alone. In Him, He says, He has given us every spiritual blessing in Christ. And the focus is not necessarily to the spiritual blessings, although He's going to list them here. And you'll study those tonight in your groups, I'm sure. But He lists these spiritual blessings, but they are to point us to Christ. It is in Him, not in, not in a doctrine, not in a creed, not in a church, not in works. And I'm not just talking salvation. I'm talking to live the Christian life. You need to look to Christ alone. And we'll talk tonight. Mankind will fail you, but Christ alone will never fail. And if you look to mankind, and, and we're prone to do that, God uses people in our lives, and, and we're prone then to highly esteem them and raise them up, but people will always fail us. But Christ alone will never fail. And see, we're prone that way. We're prone to, to worship who God uses or, or to worship the gifts. But Paul is overflowing with praise. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But we read in, in Revelation chapter 2, the message to the church at Ephesus. This is this great church that saw mighty workings of God. And in Revelation chapter 2, he said, I have something against you. You have left your first love. We leave our first love when we love the things of God more than we love Christ alone. We may, you may love a church family, but you better be careful that you don't lose your love for Christ. A, church, a godly church family is the gift of Jesus Christ. You may, you may love America, but anything good that has been in America has been a result of Jesus Christ. 
And, and we are prone. You may love your family. And there's a lot of good things. But the problem is we lose our love for Jesus Christ. And this was a church that saw great and mighty things and every spiritual blessing, but it was in Christ Jesus. And we lose our love for Christ. Paul can't contain himself. And and he's speaking of the glory of God and what we have in Jesus Christ. And we are blessed in Christ in order to be a blessing by pointing others to Christ. And it is easy, too easy, for us to love the good things and not love the giver. And it is in Christ alone. And I believe much of what is going on in the world today is God shaking things to say, what are you loving? And the only thing that is unmovable is Christ alone. Everything else will be shaken. Everything else will disappear. And we're reminded of that. You just live a life and people that you love pass away and are gone. Things that that you really valued fall apart. But it's Christ alone. And he said to this church at Ephesus, I have something against you. You have left your first love. You loved Christ. He transformed you. You were willing to to sacrifice whatever. But now you've lost your love for Christ. See, It's that love for Christ that produces a praise. And and what Paul's wanting the church at Ephesus is to join him in praise to God for, for who he is and what he's done in sending his son to join him in in realizing our citizenship is in heaven and to join him in having a God centered life rather than a man centered life. We, we sang this morning, crown him with many crowns, and, and the praise to God. Crown him the Lord of life, who triumphed o'er the grave, who rose victorious from the strife for those he came to save. His glories now we sing, who died and rose on high, who died eternal life to bring, and lives that death may die. That's Jesus Christ. And we must be very, very careful that we don't just love salvation, that we love Jesus Christ. We're going we're gonna to close by singing two songs. The first one is in Christ alone. And I want you, with what we thought about here this morning, in Christ alone, I want you to think of the words as we sing this together. And then we'll sing another song, and I want to make a few comments before we sing that. But in Christ alone, you, you think of these words as we sing together. <laughs>